you another fun. This is uh, this is called uh, be careful what you say to your kids. So a seven year old girl went to the office with her dad uh, on take your kid to work day. And as they were walking around the office, the young girl started crying and becoming very upset. Her father asked what was wrong with her and she didn't answer. She, she was just crying and <clears throat> being drawn to with compassion to the little girl uh, who was crying. The staff all gathered around her to attempt to comfort her and, and help her dad. And while the staff was listening intently to attempt to find out what the problem was, the little girl finally responded while sobbing loudly, Daddy, where are all the clowns you said you worked with? <laughs> oh, you got to be careful what you say to your children. Praise God. Okay, so <clears throat> in this session, I want to talk to you about some pitfalls to avoid in both in church planting, but also in pastoring. Um, these are things that I've seen. I'm now pastored for 27 years and um, 24 in one place. And, and we birthed uh, two churches and we planted other churches uh, and, and other ministries out of our church. And so I've seen uh, some pitfalls that, that you have to guard against in order to be successful. In fact, success in life, <clears throat> um, really 50% of success in life is learning what to avoid, <laughs> not just what to do right. So, uh, and, and, in, and in maturity is watching and observing other people and especially when they do it wrong and then, and then you, not, you, you make a mental note uh, God, I'm not going to do it that way, but then you, but all without passing judgment on against that, against that leader. So the first pitfall that I uh, believe we need to avoid in church planting or pastoring, especially when you're, you're starting out is uh, ministering or teaching in a way to impress or gain something from others to gain approval uh, to try to impress people, to keep people uh, ministering with the motive either to keep people to yourself or manipulate a commit, uh, commitment from them. Look, guys, you cannot bless those you're trying to impress. That's about you. The only difference between flattery and compliment and true compliments is, is the motive behind it is flattery is complimenting people with a hook, with a motive of getting them to do something for you. Real compliments and encouragement is the purpose for the purpose of building people up, not for the purpose of how they can benefit your vision. And I, 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 God dealt with me about this when I was a young pastor and actually Paul Milligan, who was a, Andrew Womack, CEO for a time. He was an elder in my church. Uh, Paul and Andrew met in my church. And, and uh, Paul and I were ministering to someone one time and, and he made this statement to fear God is to fear nothing else. And I thought, man, I, I, it, it, I, I just 
became undone because, because I was afraid of everybody. And I saw it just it, like God pulled back the curtain. I was preparing messages to try to impress people that I was a good teacher so that they would stay. And <clears throat> this is so important and, and it's a heart thing. It's not something tangible that you can see, but it will still come out in tangible ways. And you have to remember guys, the sheep are not yours, they're his. And sheep will come and go, but you, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't allow the sheep to lead you, rather the good shepherd of the sheep, because he knows what they need. He knows how they need to be fed and loved and led. And man, just don't get caught up in this thing of trying to impress people or, or teach your favorite candy stick to impress them. You know, they're gonna stay in your church or whatever. <clears throat> if, if you have to keep impressing people to stay, uh, you're going to eventually lose them. Um, you you got to feed people what God's told you to feed them, and and you and you can't be. You've got to decide. I'm not going to be moved by the jeers or the cheers. I mean, the times that I think I did the worst job of teaching. You know, I have people come up and just compliment me, and I'm thinking, man, I just, I just really failed miserably. But I I made a decision. I'm not going to beat myself up over, you know, I've prepared, I've done everything I can. Uh, and, and, and I prepare like everything depends on me. But when I minister, I minister from my heart, like everything depends on the Lord. I, I leave it all out on the field and, and, um, and I just have to trust God with the results. And, and I don't mean, I don't, after I minister, I don't look in the rearview mirror. And, and, I, and I certainly don't prepare thinking about, you know, either trying to straighten somebody out. I know they have a problem. And so I'm trying to preach a message to straighten somebody out or to impress somebody. Uh, you're going to get in, uh, I mean, you're going to get in trouble uh, if, if, that, if that happens. And then, <clears throat> and then, we've got to feed them a, a balanced diet of the word of God. Um, you have to feed them not only Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, you know, all the finished work of the cross and the benefits that we have because of that and all that Jesus did for us. We're seated together in heavenly places, how God, God's great love for us in Ephesians 3. But Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 are just as much grace as 1, 2, and 3. And four, five, and six says, it begins, therefore, because of all that Jesus did, walk worthy of the call. So there's a responsibility side to grace. And you've got to, if you're going to give people a balanced message of the word, uh, you can't just preach the benefit side, the benefit side, the benefit side, and, and never get to Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And you can tell whether somebody's ministry is balanced or not by just overlay the book of Ephesians over what they're teaching. You, you might want to do that on what you teach. Um, as I shared in the last session, the finished work of the cross doesn't exempt you and I from our part of fulfilling uh, the unfinished work of the church. And then, you know, you just need to guard against ministering out of a need to be needed. 
where you need somebody's compliment. And, and uh, I just, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to be moved by the jeers or the cheers. If somebody says they enjoyed my message, I say, praise God. You know, then you've got other people that'll come and, and, you know, you got prophetic people that'll come and uh, sometimes they're pathetic people, but they come and say, um, man, pastor, I'm sure glad you're taught on that today because God spoke to me about that six months ago. This warms your heart, doesn't it? So, you know, you just, you, you just have to make the decision. I'm not ministering for me. Okay. It's about the people and I'm not ministering to impress them or try to try to correct them from a public platform. I'm, I'm ministering the truth in love and I'm going to, I'm going to share with what, with them, what God has told me. And even if it's the dis responsibility side of the cross, I'm going to, uh, or the cross side instead of the resurrection side of the, of the gospel. So then the second thing uh, you've got to learn to avoid, you've got to learn to deal with discouragement and disappointment. Um, uh, you know, that this is, this is just kind of a constant. It's, I mean, as far as the temptation, um, because very few people will ever be as committed to your vision as you are. And you cannot become possessive of people. As I shared, sheep come and go. And the average time of most committed people is three to five years. And you need to provide your people with a healthy exit plan up front in your next steps class or you know your pastor's class or whatever, your new members class. Let them know, look, we don't own you. You you belong to the Lord. We're here. We we have we're committed to you and pray for you. We're going to feed you and love you and and all this. But you know you may leave one day, and if you do, our commitment to you is we're not going to burn bridges in our relationship. Um, you know we're we're going to bless you on the way out. And you know if somebody comes to you and tells you they're leaving, do not twist their arm to try to stay. Very, I can count probably two or three times anyone ever came to me and told me they were going to leave. Um, I, I would just, I would just uh, bless them. I, I only went to two or three that I ever tried to convince that they needed to cons consider what was going on. And, and uh, in, a, in one of those instances, that, that person stayed and it, and it ended up being a blessing. But a lot of times, you're praying for people to stay, and that person, if they stay in an oblig by obligation, they're going to cause problems. And then if you release people reluctantly, you're going to reap reluctant people. So um, you just need to bless. And I, let me say that again. If you release people reluctantly, you're going to reap reluctant people. You need to bless people to the will of God. And now... If I don't bear witness that the Lord's really leading them to leave, I'm not going to call them up front and lay hands on them and send them out. I only do that for people that I really know uh, that, that, and we're in our leadership or in concert that God's sending them out. And because, you know, how people leave a place, that's exactly how they're going to enter the next place. And a lot of people leave offended and whatever. And, uh, but, you got to be secure in your relationship with God and encourage yourself in the Lord. 
and know that God called you. And if that person leaves, if you, if you sow them, you're going to reap, you're going to reap some uh, other people that that'll, that'll do a good job for you. So, you know, um, some people in their purpose, not their value, they're like the scaffolding to a building. You know what I mean by the scaffold? They're on the outside. Uh, they, they help form the outside of the building. Um, but they're not going to be, they're not going to be there forever. Some relationships are for a reason, like a, a church plant, or uh, maybe they're just there for the, for, to get you launched. Some are for a season and some are for a lifetime. I'd love all relationships to be there for a long time, but this is one of the, this is one of the challenges that we have in as pastors, as people come and go. And you just, you're going to have to be secure enough in your relationship with God and just bless people to the will of God and don't let that get in. You know, you, you grieve it and then you go, you go on and know that God will get, send you other people. Um, one thing I have learned, of, and, and you need to know about people, is their money is the last thing to come and the first thing to go. And so... Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to know what people gave, but when I consider a couple of things that I that I want to help you with here, whenever I'm considering someone for a leadership role, I'm going to talk to my people who 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 do who do know who give people that give, and I want to know that they give. I don't want to know what they give. Now, it's not wrong if you choose. If you choose, you want to know. It's not sin if you want to know what people give. I just didn't want to be bothered with that. I didn't want to be tempted to treat somebody that gives $500 a week, but better than somebody that gives $50 a week or whatever. And so, um, but then here's the other thing. Uh, I, if, if uh, their money is the, is the last thing to come, it's also the first thing to go. And if, so I told my secretary and people that were counting the money, if anybody's giving habits change significantly more than a month, then I want you to let me know about it so that my leadership team can reach out to that person and make no reference to money, but something's going on with them. They're either offended or maybe they've lost their job or they're struggling and, and we reach out to them. We don't even mention their money, but, but, but we know that uh, money is a barometer tells you, things about people's lives. So, uh, so many things happen in people's lives that affect their commitment level to the church. We need to have mercy on them and intercede for them. And, you know, and, and some, some people are successful in business and finances, but they're immature spiritually. Um, I had an elder, uh, and he wasn't immature, but I had an elder who was a doctor and he was, he delivered babies. And he came to me, he said, my wife, I mean, his schedule was crazy. And his, he told, his wife told him, look, you're going to have to step down from the eldership because um, it's, just, it's just too much. The commitment's too much. And we prayed about it. And we, we told him, you know what? Don't step down. We'll keep you updated with the minutes and the business and stuff. Um, and you just take this time off. You don't need to come to meetings. And he stayed an elder and his wife really loved us, man. And I mean, that, that really meant a lot to her. And so 
Um, look, we've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord and not, not allow our identity to become wrapped up in nickels, numbers, or noses. How much money's coming in or how many attended the church last week or who wasn't there and all of that. You, the bottom line is that, is that you're there. Another aspect of this is this, guys. Even when the, the, you're having the lowest attended service, there are no throwaway services. Bob Nichols taught me this. It, you, you could have a bad weather or you could have low attendance on a holiday or whatever, but, but you never know who God's going to bring in. And you can never look at a service uh, as, as what you need to get through. I just need to get through this. Then that's about you. And so, and, and I'm, I'm really sharing some important things here. There are no throwaway services. We've had people get born again. We had a huge snowstorm one time, ice storm rather. And I think we only had, we would normally have 250 people show up and, and we maybe had, I don't know, maybe we have 15 or 17 show up. And, and this person got saved that we've been praying for with the 17 people there. So um, we got to, we, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Don't preach to those that are there about those who are not there. Don't even make mention of how many people are there or not there. That's you're, you're focused on the wrong thing. You focus on who is there. Then uh, a third thing that we need to guard or pitfall to avoid is overcommitment. Um, especially when you're early in your church plant or ministry, don't give out titles and permanent positions too soon. You know, wait until you know people and, and you know, you've gone through some adversity with them and see how they handle that. Uh, make sure you know people well enough and you get a release and peace from the Lord. Um, you know, I'll, I've, even a, I've had talented musicians come in and musicians we always need, right? But I, I typically would have them come and sit for three to six months before I ever use them on the platform. And I'm not saying I would never do that because I've, I've hired temporarily music, musicians to come in that have been, before that have never been to my church. But typically, I, I wait to put people in positions uh, until I, I get to know them for a while. And it just takes a while to... Uh, you know, to get to know folks. And then, and then don't hire people too quickly or appoint people to leadership too quickly, um, especially full-time staff. Um, don't, and don't commit long-term to them in some role until you get to know them. Sometimes I would have people uh, just look, they, uh, in this role, children's ministry or worship leader, let's, let's try this out for two or three months before we you know, make a commitment. And then three essential qualifications when you're choosing leaders. There needs to be competency in their gifting, uh, skill and experience and gifting. Then there needs to be character, integrity, you know, where they walk in love and treat people well. Then there needs to be chemistry. So competency, character and chemistry, they need to have your DNA. They need to be they, you need to sense that they're a part of, it, of your family. Um, and, and so uh, I highly recommend that your initial board members 
be people that you have that have ministry experience and that you've known for some time instead of appointing people that are new in your church. I just, I just don't uh, like to do, like to do that. Just, you want to be slow in making commitments to people. Uh, people are going to ask you to do all kinds of things. And that kind of leads into the fourth thing of a pitfall to avoid is that accommodating other people's vision. You've got to be cautious of nice spiritual people who want to hook up their vision to your wagon. Um, as you grow and become successful, people are going to want to pressure you to platform their agenda and their ministry. And you have to be wary of those who only pursue you in relationship and they, re they remain disconnected relationally with others in the church. You've got to be very wary of people who try to come straight to the top and want to have close relationship with you, but they don't, they, they don't uh, play on the playground with the other kids very well. They don't spend, they're, they're not, they're not um, in relationship with others. And what I'll do is if that person comes and typically they're people that have experience or they, you know, they have had a lot of money or whatever. I'll, I had one guy come in and tell me, you know, he, he led worship for this big church and, you know, he knew our worship needed some help and it did uh, because we were transitioning worship leaders and, and uh, he offered his services. And I said, well, you know, that's fine, but I just want you to come in and serve under the interim leader right now. And that told me everything I needed to know about him. And he tried, then he tried to wave his checkbook at me and tell me he'd be giving big offerings if, if I made him the worship leader. And I said, well, you can't buy a place in our ministry. And uh, uh, he, didn't, he didn't last too long. Uh, you, you have to remember, guys, two visions equals division. And... You're going to have people come in who have different vision for different things. And I look, I can celebrate and have a yes in my heart toward everybody's vision and whatever God's put in your heart. Man, I, I celebrate that. I'm not against that, whether it's a women's ministry or a street ministry or, you know, whatever God's put in your heart. Um, but I, I have to be careful about those ministries that I endorse. They have to be in line with our vision. And if I don't, if I'm not sure about that, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not going to endorse, I'm not going to publicly endorse that ministry. I can celebrate it. I can even invest in it personally, but I'm not going to promote it publicly until I know that person better until I find out, you know, if we really are in sync or are they just looking at our, my church as a platform uh, that they can, that they can use to promote, you know, their ministry. And I've seen it happen over and over again. Um, and I just, I'm just not going to do it. And I, I can give you lots of examples here. I had one example. I had a marriage, this couple that had a marriage ministry. And, and I really, now I, I really endorsed this or, or believed in it. But then I found out what they were teaching. They were teaching that if anybody who ever got divorced, got remarried, they were committing adultery. And I, and I said, that's crazy. I said, adultery by its very definition means something you're doing while you're married. 
And if you're divorced, you're not married. I mean, at, at the very most, it would be fornication, not adultery. So anyway, I had to set them down. Um, I, I had to, you know, I had to, uh, and, they, and they left the church. But here's, here's a word that I have for you, for people with personal agendas and selfish ambition. James 3.16, where envy and self-seeking uh, or selfish ambition exists, confusion, and every evil worker there. Um, people that have their own personal agenda, um, it is, it's going to create problems. In fact, if there's constant drama and problems that follow a person, uh, it's, usually, it's usually a misunderstanding. If there's constant misunderstanding and drama and problems with a person, it's almost always because there's personal agenda or control at the root and heart of that. And so we as leaders and pastors have to keep a yes in our heart toward people, but we have to be very slow to commit um, and, and adopt everybody's uh, agenda. And, uh, I, and, I, and so, you, you know, it's okay if they leave. You know, I, I learned a long time ago, I, I used to play, I used to gamble when I was in my sinning days and I learned in poker and in church. Four of a kind still beats a full house. <laughs> what, am I, what do I mean by that? Unity is better than having a, a, a house full of strife uh, and, and having a whole bunch of folks in their strife. It's better to have unity. Then um, another thing that we, we, have to, we have to guard against is, is just um, depend, codependence or dependence on just a few individuals, depending too much on a few people or depending, you know, on one or two large givers for financial support. You can't, we cannot afford to look at people as what they can do for us and how they can help us fulfill our vision. We have to look at people as our vision is helping them fulfill theirs. And you have to make that switch in your heart. It can never be, you know, what can you do for me? It's I'm here to minister to you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help fulfill and, and, and facilitate what God's, what God's put, in, put in your heart. And then, um, you know, the other, a couple of other things we need to learn to avoid is, is um, the Savior mentality, um, where you're doing all or most of the work in the ministry all of the hospital visits and all the counseling and all the discipling and all the praying for people in the services, you're going to wear yourself out. Um, when I counsel, I almost always bring somebody in who's one of my leaders and then I'll counsel that person and that other leader is with me. And then I hand off that person to that leader to disciple. And, and I, don't, I don't do long counseling. Counseling, apart from discipleship, is just a clinical experience. It's not transformational. A counseling, apart from, you have to see counseling through the, through the prism of, of discipleship. And if you're going to do that, you've got to hand off the wounded hearts to your leaders. 
you can't be doing all that. You, you can't, I, I don't, I would always go to the hospital if somebody in my church was sick, but I wasn't always the first one there because I delegated to a pastoral care person to check that situation out and find out how serious it was. And they would call me and then I would, then I, then they, I, I, they would let me know uh, how to, uh, you know, how, how to, whether I, I needed to come right away or whatever. Micromanaging your ministry and failing to delegate will sentence your church to limitation and, and mediocrity. And it will keep your people immature and will wear you out. Just read Exodus 18 about the Jethro principle. And uh, it's powerful. And then finally, we need to avoid, I already shared this uh, in the question that, uh, uh, the question time that Shane asked me about, but we need to avoid the comparison trap. Second Corinthians 10, verse 12 through 16 says, we dare not compare class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And then he goes on to talk about the, the, the sphere that God gave him. Look, while you're believing for increase, uh, don't despise the place that you are. Um, man, I, I remember, uh, and, I'll, and I'll finish with this example. I, I remember when I pastored my first church, um, we grew to about 40 or 50 people in three years. Maybe on Easter Sunday, we might have uh, 75, but you know, anyway, I had about 40, 40 sheep I was discipling. And I was, at, I was pulled up to the church building. Uh, it was pouring down rain. I couldn't get out. I didn't have an umbrella. And I was just started complaining to the Lord. And I said, Father, you know, I know you've called me for more than this. And, and, uh, and, and uh, to reach more people than this, 40 little sheep. And finally, the Lord said, are you done? I was complaining. And the Lord said, are you done? And I said, well, I guess so. And he said, if all I called you here for is the life transformation I made in this one man, is that enough for you? And this guy, God had radically changed this guy's life. And I said, oh, Lord, forgive me, man. I, man, I'm so sorry. And he said, son, I would, I would send someone across the globe at, at, consider, at no consideration of expense to minister to one of your children. And, and it was like his presence was so thick in my, my car and and it was like, it was like, boom, it was gone, the tangible presence of God. And I looked over and I saw a double rainbow ending in my parking lot. And at that moment, I, I settled into my call and I started being thankful for those 40 sheep. And I'm telling you guys, my ministry grew from that point. And uh, we, 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 we got to set aside this thing of, trying to compare ourselves among ourselves. We need to be thankful for the people God's given us and celebrate other people's victories. And you watch God, God will bring growth to yours. Amen. So Amen. we'll open up the questions. We'll, you know, I'm glad to uh, expound on anything uh, or expand on anything uh, that you <laughs> want to talk about, Shane.
Amen. Thank you, uh, Greg. If you've got a question, please use the Q&A uh, button at the bottom of your uh, Zoom screen. And uh, we'll get to that. Now, I just wanted to comment and say, I mean, if, if you've been a leader for any length of time, longer than just a few weeks or a few months, um, uh, you, you would have found a lot of wealth uh, in what Greg was saying there. I was just thinking about some of the things that, you know, uh, myself and some other leaders have had to deal with in recent times. And it's amazing just how uh, a lot of what you've said, like just speaks to those situations. Um, and it's a, it's a real blessing because it's helpful. Um, and I, I was reflecting on it and just thinking to myself how, you know, you're talking about selecting leaders, uh, taking leaders with you when you go to a hospital visit or when you have a counseling or discipleship session. You're talking about you know, empowering and delegating other people, not just doing everything yourself. Uh, and all of that is because it's about building a team and God's heart is to work through a team. And, um, you know, the team focus is really about making ministry what it's about, not about you, but about the kingdom and making it something that's going to outlive you. Uh, because if it's just centered on you, when you're gone, it's gone. <laughs> but if you've empowered others, it lives longer. If, you're, if your vision can be fulfilled in your lifetime, it's very small. <laughs> that's good. If your vision can be fulfilled in your lifetime, it's very small. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's not, it's not a God vision. Yeah, and I, I love what, uh, I think this is your quote, Shane, that I, that I nicked <laughs> off of you. But um, it, look, you can, you can do ministry faster on your own, mm. but you can do it, you can do it much better, you know, together. With, mm. with a team and and you probably you, you i probably botched it up but it's that, that uh, was a principle you got that team. from me i got it from uh, one of our pastors yeah etm i mean we even put it on a mug because <laughs> because yeah. it's so good but yeah you can go what you can go uh, uh uh faster alone or something but you can go further together or something like that yeah. but yeah, I'm even botching it up. So let's move on. <laughs> uh, uh, we got a question here from Alicia, who's in Albania. And she says, with regards to uh, stages of church planting, what do you do if it seems like you're stuck in a stage? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think, first of all, obviously you pray and seek the Lord. And God, is there anything about my leadership that's limiting the growth that you want to bring. Um, and you seek the Lord about that. But then um, I would add to that, you need to have an inner circle of counsel uh, mm -hmm. that you go to and, and you ask them to, uh, you know, to uh, give you their perspective on, on, a, you know, on, on your leadership, on your team, um, but you know, you have to be, you do have to be cautious about this because, mm. because if you become too introspective, then, then your focus gets off. It gets, mm. it's on you. But at the same time, you know, the biggest room there is, is a room to grow. Mm. And, and, and we all are, each of us have blind spots. And so uh, I have this inner circle of men that I, that I've given permission to speak into my life and tell me if there's anything they see that's unchristlike, um, let me know. But sometimes in a church, it's we're, we're platforming people 
that uh, just out of relationship that don't belong on the platform. Mm. Uh, we're, we're, we're having people sit in the wrong place on the bus, in other words. And it, sometimes it takes other leaders to come in. Um, I had Pastor Bob Nichols was that for me. He would come in and, and I told him, look, I want you to come in and observe my staff and observe my leadership style and tell me uh, things that you see, how I can get better. And, and it was all, almost always very positive. Mm. You know, if somebody, if, you, if, if you're giving people permission and they're negative all the time, it's not, it's not God. But that's, mm. that's what I would do. I would, look, you got to go, first, first of all, you go back to the call. Am I doing what God called me to do? Am I being faithful to the vision or have I veered off? Mm. And then you seek the Lord about, is there anything in our methodology, <clears throat> in our way of ministry that is, that is hindering uh, growth? And, mm. then, and then open yourself up to uh, other leaders who can speak into your life. And, and, but if God doesn't show you anything and, and they don't, uh, and, and, mm. and other leaders don't give you anything significant, then, you stay the course. That's good. You, you stay the course that you, you know, you having done all the stand, you stand. And then That's you thank good. God for you. You'd be very thankful for what you have. That's instead good. Instead of being focused on where you're going. I think it also goes back to what you said. I think in the previous session was one of the biggest, or the question I asked you earlier for about longevity was um, uh, uh, not comparing yourself. And I think often, uh, we might feel stuck, but we might not be stuck just because we're comparing ourselves to what we think it should be or what other people think it should be, or we're judging the wrong things. Uh, um, but at the same, like, and I mean, you, you said as well earlier, it's, it's not about um, numbers and it's not about um, what someone else is doing, comparing and that it's, it's about what has God called you to. Um, and that's where success is really. It, it is. And, you know, many times I, I would go, like in the States, I would go to these big pastors conferences and I'd get a lot out of it, mm. but man, some, sometimes I would leave feeling this small. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I'm, I, we were, we had a church of 250 or 300 in a town of 5,000, yeah. which is really, which is really big. Mm. And, but we, but you go to these big conferences and the only speakers they would have the people that pastored 5,000 or 10,000 and, if you were, if you weren't doing what they were doing, if you were doing what they were doing, you should grow to, you know? Yeah. And so we, we, we subtly get into the, into this comparison trap mm. and, and then Jesus is telling us what he told Peter, you know, okay, learn from whatever these other people are doing and you can learn and glean from them. But, but what is that to you? What if mm. I, what if I called them to pastor the largest church in the world? Are you, is your church because it's 25 or 30? Is it any less significant? So, no. Yeah. No. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Uh, I also think it's important with some of the other questions even coming in, just to remember that you can only do what God's called you to do, and you can only do what you actually can do. And I mean, we can increase our capacities, but uh, you, you can't go beyond that. You know, that's why we need team and things like that, but it's, it's not going to... Uh, be helpful to try and do things we can't do. Another well, question. Yeah. Well, let me, let me jump in real quick. Yeah. I've got a word for somebody, Shane, hmm. who, who is grasping for stra at straws. So sure. you're trying to find 
some the he's trying to find some spiritual principle or method that's going to launch you into growth wow. and it's not going to happen by grasping desperately at, at at the you know the next principle or whatever it's going to come out of your intimacy with the lord that's so anything good. any god if you if there's there's something you need to do the way you started is the way you finish mm -hmm. it's going to you're going to go inside your relationship with the Lord. If you need to do something, he'll show you what it is. You need mm -hmm. to rest and be at peace. And you need to receive God's pleasure and favor over your life. Mm -hmm. That's good. What should we do when there is someone you're working with uh, for a few years and uh, have a lot of leadership potential, but it's just not progressing in the Lord or growing in maturity? Well, welcome to the ministry. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you you know you you know Jesus taught us that there's four different types of ground. Yeah. And you have the wayside ground, and people say the four different types of hearts. You have the wayside ground that, you know, they don't understand. They don't get it. Mm. They don't understand the word. You've got the stony ground, where they're easily offended. You know, offended at God, offended at you know they got a chip on their mm. shoulder. You got the thorny ground they're easily distracted by what goes on in the world and that kind of thing and you've got the good ground and my counsel to you is this you you love that person you pray for that person pray the word over that person uh paul yeah. said i travail in birth again that christ might be formed in you but you spend the bulk of your time and invest 60 70 percent of your time in, in those that are the good ground, in those leaders that that do get it, that aren't distracted, That's that are, are unoffendable. Mm. You find those people, and you even if it's two or three, and you mm. invest your your personal time in them, and that mm. that will cause uh, very much. It'll it'll bear fruit. It'll cause you. It's very fulfilling, and you love that other person. And, you know, but you just can't give your time to them. And yeah. when you're counseling people, you always want to give people uh, a, an assignment to do that will prove mm. uh, that they're, they're at least acting on the word and not just hearing it. Mm. That's very good. I think on a, on a similar vein, uh, to what degree uh, do you minister and invest into someone who has shown signs that they won't be with you long term? Or that they're, I suppose, that they're planning to leave. Well, you have to hear from God about that. Um, but again, I'm going to, I'm going to identify who are my disciples. Hmm. You know, follow Jesus' pattern. He, he, Jesus ministered to the multitudes, but he didn't commit himself to all of those. And hmm. then he had seventy, and then he had twelve, and three, and one. And you have to determine who are your, who are your twelve and three and one. And, mm. and, and, and commit the majority of your time there. If you want to be, if you want to have longevity in ministry, you have to find your disciples mm. and your leaders and pour into them and multiply yourself through them. And then you love everybody. you you have, you know, you on Sunday morning services, you're everybody's pastor. You, <laughs> you pour into them, you love them. But during the week, you, you commit your time to those faithful men and women. Hmm. Uh, and and then ones that you you know that are going to leave. I mean, I might spend a little time with them, but I'm not going to 
probably spend mm. as much time unless mm. I hear a rhyme word from God about it. Mm. I suppose it also depends on the what is the reason why they're leaving. Um, you know, so you have to yeah. seek the Lord on that. Yeah, it, it, look, there's not any absolutes here. Mm. It depends on the situation, and yeah, you know, maybe you mm. want to maybe you want to keep building relationship with them uh, in another while, while they're moved to another place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. What do you feel? Uh, well, sorry, what do you do when you feel like you want to reach out more, but you also know that you're at full capacity, like just personally and time wise? Well, in your re in your outreach, you, you need to develop a, an outreach vision through your through your leaders and, and then let them own it and let them let them execute it. Uh, Find, you got to find somebody, any program that you initiate in your church. Uh, if I'm understanding the question right, you know, wanna, you want to reach out more. Uh, if it's if it's to if you want to reach out more to the community, you you want to you want to find somebody who's got an outreach vision and and let them implement that, let them execute it. You you can you can oversee it from a vision standpoint. If it's reaching just spending more time with other people in your church. Um, you know, God knows what your time frames and, and you have to, you have to set margins in your life and you prioritize your time based on your priorities. And that's your relationship with God first. If you're married, then it would be your wife or your husband. Then it would be your children. If you have children, then it's, disciples or leaders in your church then it would be others in, in the church that you would that you would want to reach but you'll mm -hmm. never you 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 can have you can make time for those for those four and mm -hmm. and uh and you have to set your schedule up like that mm -hmm. and then give your spouse uh give your spouse authority over your schedule <laughs> that's good i also think if, if in case it's the the area of um uh, uh, personal evangelism, you know, uh, you don't, God's not expecting you to walk the streets all the time, just trying to reach people. <clears throat> so it's kind of like, take, take a, a, a focus on, on your family and your church and things like that. And you're, 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 you're ministering to your church, you're ministering to your family because things overflow from there. And uh, the people that you're ministering to will reach people. But then as you go, you can be reaching out and be sensitive to opportunities and creating opportunities and taking opportunities, but don't have this constant pressure of, uh, um, yeah, I, I should be doing more. Um, yeah. yeah, we can all be doing more, but uh, we can also all do too much. <laughs> our, 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 our primary call and mission is to make disciples. Exactly. So, mm. You know, if you look, if you'll make disciples with the, with the, and you'll be faithful with the people that God, you know, God is connected with you. A healthy sheep will multiply. Mm. And they'll reach other people that you, that you couldn't reach. Amen. That's great. Okay. There's another question that popped up. Uh, do you think we can underestimate the power of prayer in the process of church planting? Well, no, I think prayer is, is essential. Um, prayer, prayer is not everything, though. Prayer, mm. he's, uh, in First Timothy, he said, first of all, prayer. Mm. Well, that implies there will be other things to do. So first of all, you pray to certain, determine 
what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to do it and, and how and who, who's part of your team. I mean, Jesus prayed all night to determine the 12 that were to, he was to invest in. But, you know, then you have to also act on what you see in prayer. And you have to, you know, then, then you have to preach and teach the word. And, and you know, you, there's, things, there's action that you have to put to your prayer. And so some people, uh, you know, just pray and then they don't, then they don't get out and, 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 and do anything. But then other people make light of prayer. Yeah, there's a prayer is first of all, mm. and prayer is like taking air superiority. It's like a desert storm. Mm. They took air superiority uh, over, uh, you know, the, the folks of Iraq that, inv that invaded Kuwait. And then they came in, the ground troops came in. Mm. And so uh, I, I look at prayer like that. That's great. Okay, thank you so much, Greg. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the investment into everybody and the ministries represented here this evening. So we appreciate it. Yeah, so glad, so glad to be a part, man. That, um, just I just speak uh, the wisdom of God and favor of God to each of you you're, you're, uh, and, and, and I speak increase and peace the, where God's government is. And as you submit to his government, there's, there's no end to increase in peace. Mm, amen. Amen. We receive. Thank you so much.